This is the On Conflict Podcast. Deep conversations that will transform your relationship with conflict. Season 2, a focus on leadership. And now, your hosts, Julia Menard and Gordon White. This is the On Conflict Podcast. And today, we are doing a RISCast on Bill Eddy and Michael Lomax. We had a great conversation with the two of them. And uh, if you wanted to have a listen to that episode, we think it's really worth it, especially if you find yourself faced with people that you would find challenging to deal with. Bill Eddy has some very provocative book titles, things like five types of people who could ruin your life. And uh, it's all your fault. It's just, they're kind of fun, but at the same time, quite painful topics, eh? Yeah, so he's made a, a large part of his career trying to get to the bottom of this, right? And, and you know, in a, say in an organization or family or any kind of group setting you've been in, occasionally you run across someone that everyone refers to as very difficult to deal with. And there's a tendency for quite a number of people in those kind of situations to agree. So mm-hmm. it's like, what is going on with those people, right? Mm-hmm. And needless to say, they get into conflicts fairly often, right? So on a professional level, we're running into them. We're running into people who are talking about them. Yeah. And um, one of the things that I appreciate about Bill Eddy's work is that he's got this phrase uh, that people may have a a series of traits or attributes that he calls high conflict. There's Mm. high conflict personalities. And I think that that's a that's a good description where there are some people in our communities or in our lives that seem to generate a lot of chaos around them. They seem to be angry or upset about something a lot of the time or and or people are upset and angry with some things they're doing. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the sort of ideas that he puts forth is the challenge that how do you have empathy for those who don't seem to have empathy for others, right? Who seem to be inconsiderate. Yes. And, and it's, it's a theme we wanted to pick out of the interview with Bill and Michael, because as you were saying off the air, as we were talking about this show, that in a way it's a central challenge to, you know, how do we relate to others who don't get our experience, not only don't get our experiences, but in fact, often either appear not to care or possibly don't care. They don't care to listen to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or if they do, they don't, it doesn't matter to them. (laughs) Not not in the way that we would like anyway. No, no. So, of course, one of the tendencies is to write someone like that off. And Mm -hmm. if they're going to be aggressive and nasty to me, well, I'll just be aggressive and nasty to them. Or maybe I'll just be a little bit careful. So, sorry, less careful. So I'll be a little, I'll have a little bit of an edge about me that I don't normally have. Mm -hmm. But this can be problematic because one of the things that um, Bill talks about is that for them, an interpersonal challenge is like life and death. For us, it's kind of like a relationship that's not working. But for people of those type, and because it's like life and death, they actually throw a very large part of themselves into a conflict, which means you're going to tend to get defeated if you go at them head to head. Well, and there's a very interesting uh, trap, too, because when somebody is easily triggered, volatile, whatever way we want to say it, 
it's easy to get triggered too. Somebody talks to you in a certain tone of voice or is particularly condescending or you experience being disrespected, it's easy to slip into, well, I'm going to push back, maybe not even consciously. And then all of a sudden, as you say, you're engaged in this firefight or battle that you really have no chance of winning because you are not as experienced at war in this way. (laughs) Or as committed. (laughs) Or as committed to utter destruction. Yeah, that's a bit of an exaggeration maybe, but for some people not. Yeah. And one of the um, also viewpoints I think that Bill and Michael are putting forth is the idea that that some of the people that you find very challenging actually have very uncomfortable inner worlds, right? And when they get into this situation, they're in tremendous discomfort. Mm-hmm. And, and we don't necessarily see that. Right? Mm-hmm. So having some greater compassion or at least extending your, yourself in some way <laughs> to have some understanding of what might be going on can be, in the end, helpful. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's a nice segue for another related theme that we pulled out from the interview, which is, you know, if there's any desire in you at all to try to understand or engage with people that might have high conflict personalities, you know, how do we stay protected Mm -hmm. and yet still remain collaborative when oftentimes to go into protection mode can mean becoming defensive, not collaborative, right? Yeah. And one of the things I said to you as we were getting ready to record is that if, you know, in my work, if it's someone that I don't have a significant relationship with, right, it can, it's possible, right? I think for me anyway, to work, you know, in an all right way, (laughs) semi-effectively with people like that. But once, you know, it's someone I have a relationship with for whatever reason, then becoming, being empathetic and being you know, trying to engage and trying to be collaborative also usually means being somewhat vulnerable. And then being vulnerable can mean getting hurt in those situations, right? And then it becomes even more challenging, right? So it's how do you stay, as you say, in some sense protected, but at the, in the same time still collaborative, and I don't know even vulnerable, maybe that's going too far, but at least, you know, you're not being naive about what might happen. And yet at the same time, you want to engage in a way that you maximize the likelihood of connecting and you're trying to be collaborative. Yeah. And I, and I think this is a really key question. And uh, I know we've got three ideas that we want to share because we, we grappled with this at first going, what, what would we do, you know, and then circled back and said, well, what, what were Bill and, and Michael talking about? And, and then we circled back again and said, okay, how does that fit with our experience? And so we cooked up these three tips, if you can call them that, for uh, how to stay protected and at the same time collaborative. Do you want to share the first one or you want me to start? I want you to start. Yeah. Okay. So the first one we talked about is to go into the conversation armored. And, you know, there's this piece around, uh, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about what we mean by armored, but because it's not what you think. But, you know, we go into these conversations and we think things are going to be different, especially if it's a long-term relationship with uh, a family member or a colleague, somebody that may need to be in your life, but may be a bit challenging to deal with. <clears throat> so we think maybe things will be different this time, or I'll give them the benefit of the doubt this time. But really, whenever we go into a conversation, we need to prepare ourselves. And <clears throat> when I say not armored in the usual way, I don't mean seeing the other person as an enemy. Because 
traditionally, certainly in battle, there's a conditioning to dehumanize the other person. The other person's bad. The other person's not really worth it. But I think what we mean by armoring is much more about self-management, but to the nth degree. I mean, Gordon, in our difficult conversations course, we talk about self-management, but this is taking it to a whole other level to, to think about, you know what, I'm going to be triggered in that conversation. I can guarantee there's going to something that's going to come up. So what do I need to do to take care of myself right now? Do I need to come up with a little mantra or self-talk thing? Do I need to bring in a squeegee ball and put it, you know, under the desk? What do I need to do? Do I need to visualize a pink bubble? I mean, there's a, there's, hundreds of things that we could consciously do for protection before we go into a conversation. But I think the advice is do it. Don't expect things to be different. Don't expect this to be a normal conversation. And it's kind of counterintuitive in a way, but so I'll Mm -hmm. stop there and see which, yeah. What do you want to add? Yeah. The part I want to add is that sometimes it's intermittent, right? Sometimes the challenge is intermittent. So we tend to then lose a certain amount of vigilance, right? So I think one of the things that you're saying is that even though things may go well for a while, don't slip up on being ready for the potential of being attacked. Right? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And and to do it in a way that's about you keeping yourself centered as opposed to reminding yourself how much you hate the person or how they're not worth it anyway or, you know, some of the, yeah. You're storing the- up something uh, not entirely nice that you've wanted to say for a long time and might pull out right in in response to something they might do. Yeah, yeah, because we're not, energetic. Not that. Not that. Because <laughs> yeah, we're energetic beings, right? We'll feel it off each other. So it's really not coming from a place of hatred, but it's it's coming from a place maybe of self-love that I know I'm plugged into myself. I'm feeling calm. I'm feeling as safe as I can, compassionate, protected, all those kind of things. Yeah. Are we ready to move to the second one? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, you had a nice story with this one. Yeah. There's always a person there who's bigger than any kind of diagnosis. That's one thing. And the second thing is, and so there's this, it's important to, for me anyway, to respect the humanness of that person. And then the second thing is that there's always a good side to people. And I don't want to lose my belief in that and my attitude that that good side of that person is there somewhere, even if I might not be experiencing them, even if I might not have experienced it very often. And what I want to do is find that good side. (laughs) And maybe another way to think about it is to personalize it more is just think what's, I'm looking for a side that I can relate to. Because saying good, good is a bit judgmental, perhaps, right? But Mm -hmm. I need to find a side I can relate to. And I know that side's there, even though it may not show itself very often. But I'm going to look for that side and try to connect with that side. I think what you're saying, Gordon, is so important. I really do. And and I think it's something that is a requirement in our work as mediators, certainly as Mm -hmm. transformative mediators, people Mm -hmm. that are Mm -hmm. looking for supporting people's transformation in that you know, we, we talk to one party in conflict and they'll tell us that the other person is just the devil incarnate, you know, and I, for a while I used to have this joke to myself that I was, I was always waiting for the horns, you know, and, and, and the tail, I was waiting for the devil to, to meet the devil and I never did. And I think it's, I don't know if it's an attitude, is it a skill? 
Is it an intention that I'm going to remind myself or look for? What just exactly what you're talking about, the good and the other. And when it's somebody that we really care about, again, or somebody that has to be in our closer environment, it gets more and more difficult. There's almost like um, a learned helplessness about it at a certain point. It's like, well, I've given them the benefit of 1,000 doubts and they still treated me like dirt or they still done untrustworthy behaviors. But I think it's pushing ourselves beyond that. And I know for myself and some of my relationships that I found more challenging, I do lose sight of the good in the other, but... I come back to it. And when I come back to it, the thing that's so both beautiful and heartbreaking is that the other the other hears that. When we say to somebody, you know, I, I see you, I, I see the bigger part of you. It's like a ray of sunshine in a difficult time. So I think it's a it's a beautiful gift to give. And you were telling the Ben Ben story, and I just wanted you to share that. Would you mind? Or? Sure. We knew um, a Canadian mediator named Ben Hoffman who worked with Jimmy Carter, and he was um, assigned at one point to negotiate with Joseph Kony, who was leader of the Lord's Resistance Army in northern Uganda, which were, you know, they used child soldiers and abducted child soldiers. And he was a, he was a you know, a, a lot of people would consider him kind of a dark person, right? But mm-hmm. Ben had to go and negotiate with him, basically alone with all his generals around, right? He asked the people that were with him to not come into the tent where Joseph Coney was with his generals. And um, and uh, when I was talking to Julie about that day, today I was saying he must have been looking for the side of Joseph Coney that he could connect with. Right? It's the only way you could go into a situation like that, I think. Well, um he spoke about that. He didn't speak about it in the interview that we did with him because if people are interested in Ben Hoffman, it was a beautiful man and he did amazing work for Jimmy Carter and in all kinds of contexts. We did an interview with him on season one before he died, hmm. close to before he died, actually. But off air, he did speak about part of that, looking for the good. So we were saying that, Gord, when we were off the air, that we thought the third tip would be around humility. Humility for ourselves because we're human, we're fragile, we're vulnerable. And unless we can admit to ourselves, number one, let alone anybody else, that we're going to stumble and we're going to end up not feeling capable sometimes, even us. I mean, I I know a lot about conflict. What do you, do you, would you say the same? Do you think you know a thing or two? Fair bit, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> After 25 years teaching, practicing, living, reading, being on conflict, oh, it's still a struggle, you know. And some of the conversations you and I have had, I admire your humility. I really do. And I think without humility, how would we ever learn about ourselves? Like, I'm curious about your humility as I think about it. This is definitely going off script, but do you, you know, like, I'm curious, do you see yourself as somebody who's humble? And what does that word mean to you? And how do you Ooh, sometimes, it? sometimes, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not always for sure. But I think in this context, what I think, the way I think about it in the moment anyway, is that, well, I'll, I'll refer to something Ken Cloak says, because Ken Cloak says that, for every conflict that we come into, there's a there's something for us to learn, and we're all and we tend to be blind to what that thing is that we're going to learn. 
So I find um, in working with someone who I find challenging for whatever reason, whether it's in my personal life or, or professionally, that it's, it's difficult to see what it is that I could have done differently, right? And that's the challenge of it, right? And, but in, in time, I tend to be able to look back, might be a week later, might be a month later, and be able to see, okay, yes, maybe that could have been different, right? And so it's just, for me, the recognition that there will continue to be challenges. And even though I've been focusing on this professionally for, as you say, 25 years, it's, it's a never-ending learning. I want to ask you a little bit more, but I did want to point out you talked about Ken Cloak and Ken Cloak, and we also yes. we also interviewed Ken Cloak in season one. So yes, we did for people who may not know our lineup as well as we do. He's another really interesting person to listen to and learn from. So yeah, I just wanted to go back to because uh, I've never really asked you this actually, but. Um, because I perceive you as somebody who has a, a humility, and I don't mean it in the sense of self-deprecation. I just have experienced you as somebody who has a little, little ego. And I just wondered for our listeners, is there anything that you could share extemporaneously? I know it's kind of on the spot, but about that sense of what helps to be humble. I mean, you were referring to it a little bit there when you said you you have this belief that it's conflict is an ongoing journey. But um, anything else like for people to think about? Me to think about? <laughs> right in, sorry, right in the moment, I can't. <laughs> I can't come up with something other than that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but what you said is significant. That sense of learning. In an ongoing way. I mean, your blog is called The Conflict Journey. Conf conflict Journey, yeah. And you must have chosen. It is a, so go ahead. Yeah, it is a journey, I think. Right. Each conflict each conflict is a journey, and, and, and taking it as a um, vehicle for development makes it a life journey. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What else were you going to say? Well, I was just going to say that we're in, you know, that's, I think that's part of both our philosophy, right? that we, we take the work we do as part of our personal growth right? mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. at, at a very, at a deep level, right? Yeah. At a, you might say at a spiritual level. Yeah. And sometimes we, when our clients are open to that possibility, we will open the door for them, right? Kind of invite them into viewing their situation in that way, right? As a deeply, possibly partly, a gift or an opportunity for a, a very a significant growth, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and uh, reminds me of, obviously you're probably thinking about it too, but the uh, Keegan quote, <clears throat> Robert Keegan, developmental psychologist. And we use this, I don't know why, but in the last, months we've been using this quote quite a bit hey mm -hmm. we haven't interviewed him he is retired but and when you say using it you mean speaking it or referring to it when we're working with clients yes yeah. yeah making the link to the conversations we're having with them the experiences we're having with them and this particular quote conflict so. is a challenge to our pretense of completeness 
And that never seems to land as well as our adjustment to it. Do you want to do that one too? <laughs> uh, conflict is a challenge to our pretense of completeness of the self. <laughs> I can't. I don't know. I just see the lights go on more for people when you say that. <laughs> and uh, it gives meaning to pain for people and it gives a direction for people and that opportunity that you spoke about. And so, <clears throat> you know, this this little portion here near the end of our Riffcast today has been about my curiosity about your humility. And it's so interesting that where we've landed is this sense that there's a lot still to be learned. Yeah. And, and there's opportunity in that for bettering oneself, growing oneself, expanding oneself. Yeah. I think that also occurs. It, it occurs in the kind of identifiable ways, you know, the ways that we can recognize that we're, we've grown, that maybe we can extend greater compassion or have more perspective taking or be more tolerant or be more comprehensively understanding something. Those are things that we can notice, but I think they're also subtle things that are also significant that are difficult to even recognize. So we were riffing today on our experiences with Michael Lomax and Bill Eddy and really glad to have had that opportunity. Please check out that interview if you'd like. And what we were saying is that we wanted to go a little deeper into this idea of, you know, how to have empathy for those who don't seem to show you any and how to stay protected and still collaborative. We spoke about that notion of getting centered inside yourself. You can call it armoring, but centering yourself. So important. Remind yourself that there's a better person in there that you can look for and pull out. And then this last exploration that Gordon and I were journeying together about, just humility. So is there anything you wanted to add, Gord, before we sign off on this Riffcast today? Thank you to all of you who have taken interest to listen to us today. And we look forward to providing many more good listening experiences, <laughs> assuming this one was. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Take care. Bye for now. If you love this episode of On Conflict, then help us out by subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. And you can spread these big ideas too by sharing on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you show up online. Want to know more about us? Check out our website, onconflictpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. Now, go make the world a better place.